Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Well, today's message, Relate, I think you'll be encouraged by what the Word has to say to us. Because our humanity, our human nature, does not negate God's purpose and plan and calling on our lives. Let me say that again. Our human nature does not negate God's purpose and plan and calling, divine calling on our lives. So today's message is Relate. We were created to relate to God and to each other. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 21. Those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. Jesus said this. Let's look at it backwards. The ones who love me obey and accept my commands. So when we come into this relationship with God, we're, we're choosing to obey. We're choosing to accept and follow his commands. Why? Because the word says, if he be for us, who can be against us? No one can be against us. So God is looking out for our good, and he's saying, this is a demonstration of those who love me. Verse 21 continues, and because they love me, my Father will love them. So we see there's this relational connection. I'm talking about relate today, and we talk about relationship with God probably every, every week. Because what's our mission? To develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. So there may be those who talk about knowing about Christ, but we want to talk about and we want to demonstrate knowing him personally, intimately. Verse 21 continues, And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So Jesus is saying, I, I not only want to, to have this relationship, but I want to relate to those who I have a relationship with. You know, I think sometimes... We think that there's this glass ceiling between us and Jesus. Oh, look, Jesus is waving. Hi, Jesus. Jesus broke the glass ceiling at the cross that we can come into his presence. And do we realize that he wants to relate to us, not in a legalistic, ritualistic manner, but on a personal level where we have this relationship with him? My first point, the Lord desires to reveal his heart and his plans to us. They're not something hidden away that are hard to find. But he wants to reveal his purpose and his plans to us. Sometimes we walk in our humanity where our human nature is expressed and sometimes exposed. Because think about maybe uh, you're impatient or you're frustrated or you're angry. I remember talking to a, a Christian friend and we were just chatting one day, and, and he said that he got really upset at somebody on the highway, and he flipped them off. <laughs> I was kind of surprised at that, and then I thought, well, you know, I'm thinking a few years back, I think I did the same thing. I, somebody flipped me off, and I reciprocated. Now, that's what I'm talking about. Our humanity shows up sometimes. And if you haven't flipped anybody off, you may have thought about it. And that's where it begins, right? So you're one step away from executing what you've thought about because 
as we think, sometimes that leads us into directions we don't want to go in. But I'm talking about our human nature. And for, for all of us, that means that looks a little different. And depending on the day and our attitude and what's going on at work or what's going on in our family or whatever, that can have a huge impact. But when we're connected to the Lord, we also have a godly divine nature that can be expressed and demonstrated. Um, imagine, or maybe you've experienced, I'm sure you've experienced this, where maybe you're praying for someone, and uh, maybe you've experienced where somebody actually gets healed, where God heals them. And so that's an example of God pouring through us. He's doing the healing, but we're doing the praying, right? Or maybe sometimes you're in prayer, and you feel the presence and the power of God. It's like the atmosphere has changed, I've been in times of prayer or praying with someone where the presence of God is so, so strong that non-Christians or marginal Christians are almost weeping because the presence of God is so strong. And there have been times when I've been praying for, for someone and God will give me a word of knowledge because many times we're praying for something at this level and God says, yeah. But that's not the root cause. That's not the root of what's going on. Let me show you what's really going on down here. That it could be that, that, that what you're seeing demonstrated or what we're demonstrating is a, uh, uh, just a consequence of something deeper. That it could be anger. could be uh, unforgiveness. It could be something much deeper causing us to act out. And so there are times when God will give us that insight because why? He wants to relate to us. And there have been times when, uh, then where God has used me prophetically to speak into people's lives. And when, when we think of the prophetic, many times we think of somebody standing on a mountain saying, Hey, I have a word from the Lord for you. Go forth. And, you know, but that's not necessarily how it has to be. The prophecy is sharing God's heart. And there have been times when I'll be praying for someone and God will give me a prophetic word for them. But I don't stop and say, oh, wait, wait, here's a prophetic word for you. Sometimes I don't think they even know that it's a prophetic word necessarily. And that's not important. What's important is that God is speaking through us, is pouring through us into someone's life. That's, what, that's what's important, that their heart is open to receive what the Lord is giving them. And over the past few weeks, I've talked a lot about these four words, these past four years that the Lord has given to us, prophetic words. In 2019, 11, 11 months before COVID really hit, the Lord told me that we are in a reset. And he gave me that word for me. He gave me that word for us as a church. I think he gave it to me as a corporate word for the body of Christ. But God hasn't released me to you know, go out and share this with, with the whole Christian environment. And if he opens up the door, then that's fine. I can, I'll do that. But at minimal, it's for us that we're in a reset. And we see that this was a good word because truly we have seen that come to pass. And then in 2020, the world as we know it will soon come to an end. And a couple of weeks later, we saw an incident where, the, where things changed radically. And things are still changing. Have you been to the store lately? Have you, do we understand that the supply chain has been interrupted? When was it, a year or so ago? You know, we were running out of toilet paper. 
But I don't think that's what the, word, what the Lord is telling us. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. I think those are elements of it. But I think it's greater than that. There's a shift happening. And the world coming to an end, as we know, it is not necessarily a bad thing. We've been praying for a revival, a Jesus revival. What if we saw a tremendous revival in Kima and League City in this area? That would change the world. So we're praying. We're saying, Lord God, we're praying for a revival to take place. And then in 2021, the Lord gave, gave me another word, prepare. And so we are to prepare. We're to be prepared. And uh, then in this year, the Lord spoke to me again. Are you prepared for my return? Are we prepared for his return? You know, we can be doing good things. We can be, the church can be doing good things. But what about us? Am I really prepared for his return? And the second part of that, the Lord told me I'm returning soon. And I'm not sure what all that means. It could be a revival. The Lord coming. He could come again. We could experience the second coming. That's, that's, that's possible. But it could be that, that God is going to return from the standpoint of returning back to his church. The people's hearts will be turned toward him again. So my first point is the Lord desires to reveal his heart and his plans to us. And he's speaking to us. He's speaking to me for us. He's speaking to you. Are we listening? Are we, are we taking time to say, God, what are you doing in this situation? What are you telling me? My second point is we can demonstrate both our human nature and our godly nature. God is divine. He is creator, supreme, has all, all power, all authority. And when I think of divine, I think of many times, I think of divine being related just to God. Oh, God is divine. I can't approach that. I can't touch that. I can't be a part of the divineness of God. But divine really means, it means status and nature of God. That's what divine means. It means from God or like God. We are not God, but we can be like him by having his character. So believers in Christ have a divine touch of God on their lives. We have a divine touch of God in our life. Do we realize that? Do we recognize that? Do we say, oh, well, divine can't be resident in my life? Oh, yes, it can. Because we see demonstrations of that when he is pouring through our lives. It's not us. Imagine that you're sitting at your desk and the, and the Holy Spirit says, pick up the phone and call somebody or text somebody. Do you think God couldn't get the message to them? But he uses us. That's part of this divine nature of God pouring through our lives when we pick up the phone and say, hey, man, I just want to call and tell you how much I love you, how much God is for you, how, how appreciative I am of you and your heart and your life and your service. God could, God could use somebody else. God could even do that through a different mechanism than using a person. But God uses us. So how do we share in this divine nature? Well, I just explained a couple of ways that we can. But I love that Peter is in the Bible Man, I'm so thankful because I see myself as Peter many times. 
just, you know, not listening, not paying attention. <laughs> and, and so 2 Peter was written about 67 A.D., written to the church at large. And let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. By his, by God's divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Okay, let's just stop here for a moment and think about that. Because we want to just read through this scripture. Uh, by his, his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life, and we move on. The word in Greek for everything means everything. <laughs> God has given us everything, okay? In totality, in wholeness, all, every, everything. Let's read on in 2 Peter 1, 3 continues. We have received all of this by coming to know him. Again, we're talking about, what are we talking about today? About relate, about relating. The one who calls us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. So I started thinking about that. I was thinking, okay, what are the great and precious promises? Well, John 3, 16, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise. We've talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 30 where God gave the promises to Israel. Now, those were specific promises to Israel, but they apply to us today. They can apply to us today. I thought about uh, Philippians 4.13. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. I mean, when we look at the the scriptures, there are hundreds of, of promises that God has given to us. And so he's saying here, and because of his glory and excellence, He's given us great and precious promises. I was thinking about Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We've talked about that scripture numerous times. Within that one scripture, there are multiple promises. We're saved by grace through faith, not of our works. That our salvation is grace-based. It's not performance-based. That we are God's masterpiece. That we are created new. That we are empowered to do the good things he designed and called us and created us to do long ago. We can do those things. And then we see that these scriptures are tied to other promises. We are created new. All things have passed away. We are made new. You know, so when we begin to think about the scripture, we can envision and we can be reminded of the great and precious promises that God has made to us. Let's, let's go back to the end of John 14, 21. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. He's talking about us. He's talking about people he has a relationship with that he's revealing himself to. So when we read his word and we read these promises, that's God revealing to us. Hey, look, you're going through a struggle right now, but you can do it with my help. And we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and help us. And so we have these promises from God himself who has all power, all authority, all dominion. God relates to us by revealing himself and his desires to us. Are we recognizing? Are we seeing? Are we believing? Are we receiving? 2 Peter 1.4 continues, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. These are the promises because they're based 
on relationship. And so when we have this relationship, we have access to the promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature. Share means one who uh, takes part in something. So we're taking part in the divine promises that God has given to us. Share means with someone. We're sharing the divine promises with God. He's giving us these divine promises. Uh, Share means a companion, a partner. Do you realize that we partner with God? Because again, when he impresses on us to do something, God didn't need Mark Johnson to pick up the phone and call somebody. One, God could use somebody else, and God could find another way to get their attention. Have you ever been, like, walking in nature? I go out to the property almost every day. I love it out there. You guys should go out there and walk and pray. And, and sometimes I'll just be walking, and God will begin to reveal stuff to me as I'm just walking around out there, just praying and looking at all the beautiful trees and things. Because God is wanting to relate to me. Not only does he want to, but he does. And I relate to him. So God shares his divine nature with us. Back to 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 4. Continues, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and, there's more, and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Escape from the world's corruption. I don't have to explain that to you. Have you turned on the TV? I mean, have you just, have you just been out in the world? <laughs> like a prisoner in chains, God has set us free. Imagine that you're a prisoner of war. And all of a sudden, you're able to get out and cross the enemy's lines to, to your own army or own protection. You would do it. And yet... As I was thinking about this example, there are people that are prisoners of war sitting in churches today because we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly places. John 10.10, you know this one. Come on. Jesus said the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you would have abundant life. There are people that are wrapped up in chains, that are prisoners of war, that Jesus has come to set free. Maybe there are areas in your own life where you're bound up. Jesus has come to break those chains. Our relationship with the Lord is the key to escaping the world's corruption that is the result of our ungodly human nature. When I started this series, August 28th, I think, and through uh, September 18th, we looked at the corruption. What, What does corruption mean? What are the human desires? And we looked at the differences between our sinful nature... You know, uh, the word says it's very clear when you're operating in your sinful nature. These are the results. It's not ambiguous. And then when we're walking in our divine or heavenly nature, it's very clear too. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are evidence of us walking by God's power because it takes him to walk in love, to, to have peace. To exercise self-control. I'm thinking of what I'm going to do to that driver right now, but I'm going to exercise some self-control. I'm going to keep my hands on the steering wheel, (laughs) white-knuckled. 
So we have the, the access to the divine nature. And if you missed any of those sermons in August and September, go back and listen to them if you want. Man, we have them podcast. We have the videos. And you can go to the website. And our tech arts team is doing a fantastic job. of making sure that we have access to all those things. So you can go back and if you miss them or maybe you want to go back and listen to them again. But the world is often driven by its ungodly human nature. We see that clearly. Because they're not saved. They don't have a relationship with the Lord, many of them, right? So they're driven by greed or money or or whatever those things can be. So we can be corrupted by the world's ungodly human nature And also by our own ungodly human nature sometimes. And so we need the Lord to bring health and healing to our lives. And maybe, if I could say it this way, maybe we walk in our human nature this much of our life. And this much of our life we walk in our godly, divine nature. But as God begins to transform our life from this human nature to more of the godly nature... That, that human nature begins to shrink and the godly nature in us begins to grow as we understand who we are in Christ. It's not us doing these things. It's Christ working in our lives and transforming us so that we become a conduit. We become pliable in God's hands where he can work our lives and do some stuff. So my first point is the Lord desires to reveal his heart and his plans to us. My second point is we can demonstrate both our human nature and our godly nature. My third point is our humanity does not negate God's divine calling on our life. We can negate that if we don't understand what God wants to do or if we choose to walk away from that. I love, um, again, I I love that Peter's in the Bible because I can so relate to him. And and we're going to look this morning at his human nature and Uh, godly divine nature Um, you know the story about the last supper Um, Jesus had the last supper with his disciples and then he says okay we're going to go to the Mount of Olives and pray let's pick up the story here in Matthew 26 31 through 35 on the way Jesus told them tonight all of you will desert me 31 continues for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. So Jesus is giving them some very clear instructions on what's going to happen. Tonight, all of you will desert me. Not some of you, not everyone but Peter. All of you will desert me. I'm going to die because after I'm raised from the dead, I'm going to meet you in Galilee It's pretty clear, right, what he's saying? You would think. Peter declared, even if someone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Peter, this is Jesus talking. (laughs) You don't know better than him. You don't know more than him. You may think you do. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. And then he says, Peter, because he wanted... I believe he wanted Peter to understand, I'm talking to you, Peter. I'm not talking to all the disciples. Peter, I want you to listen. Uh, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, comma, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. 
You would think Peter would be quiet. Peter replies, no! (laughs) Do we ever do that with God? God is speaking to us? No! No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. I think what we're seeing is we're seeing Peter's humanity here. You know, that's a noble cause, Peter. It's great that you think you feel that way. But we know that's not what happened. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Now I can just, I can, I, I can envision this in my mind. Peter's like, I will never deny you. I would even die with you. And the others go, yeah, yeah, what Peter said, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, you know the account. Uh, they go to the garden and Jesus says, I want you guys to pray. Now, in, in defense of the disciples, they just had a heavy meal which included wine. So I know this happens to me. I go to pray, kind of laying there. Next thing I know, it's the next day. And I, I don't drink, so I haven't even had any wine. <laughs> that would further make it uh, more complicated, right? But, but they come and they, they arrest Jesus, which was a whole um, illegal event. And because Jesus says, uh, you know, you could have arrested me in the temple. Why are you doing this in the cover of night? And uh, the word says that they all, <laughs> they all fled. All the disciples fled. But so Peter follows behind the crowd and, and uh, that takes Jesus to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest. Now let's jump ahead here to Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you are one of those with Jesus the Galilean. Verse 70, but Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Verse 71, later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. (laughs) Uh, Verse 73, a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. Mm. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Luke expands this account a little bit. Uh, after the rooster crows, it says in Luke twenty-two sixty-one, at that moment the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Have you ever blown it? <laughs> You don't have to answer that because I, I know the answer because I'm right there with you. Yes. Have you ever denied Christ? Maybe we haven't done something like Peter where someone says, hey, are you a Christian? Uh, uh, no, 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 I'm not a Christian. Maybe we haven't done that. But, but have we denied Christ in our life where we've blocked Christ? 
where we have said, I'm not going to yield to you in this. I'm not going to obey you in this. Because those who accept and obey the commands of Jesus are the ones that love him. <laughs> kind of sobering, huh? But I'm glad that the account of Peter doesn't end here. After Jesus was resurrected, he began appearing to his disciples. And Peter and several of the other disciples decided to go fishing. It's kind of what they knew, right? And uh, so they're fishing, and Jesus, they don't know it's Jesus, but he's on the shore, and he's like, hey, fellas, have y'all caught any fish? And they're like, no. He said, well, throw the net on the other side of the boat. And so when they did, their net was full of fish. And they recognized that it was Jesus, and they go to the shore where Jesus has prepared some fish sandwiches for them, <laughs> some bread and fish. And, uh, you know, Peter has denied Christ three times. And Christ asks, asks Peter one question three times. In John 21, 15 through 17, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he uses the word agapao, to have great affection for. That's what it means, to have great care for, to have great loyalty. He's, he says to Peter, do you love me with great affection? Do you love me with great care? Do you love me with great loyalty? If Peter was understanding that word to mean loyalty, how do you think he could answer that? I'll never deny you. Oh, but I will. But I did. But I have. And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he uses a different word, phileo. In the Greek, there were different words with different, different uh, elements of the meaning. And this word phileo means to love like a friend or a brother, to have affection for, to care for. So it's like Jesus was saying, do you love me with unconditional love? I mean, do you really, really love me? And Peter's like, well, yeah, I kind of love you like a brother. And then Jesus says, feed my lambs. What had Peter been doing? He'd been out fishing. I wonder if Peter was saying, man, I have totally blown it. This whole ministry thing is gone for me now. I might as well just go back to fishing. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Feed my baby sheep. The babies, the tender ones. I think he's telling Peter, ministry is not over for you, Peter, because your humanity, your failures cannot negate my calling on your life. The second time, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He uses the same word. Do you love me with great affection? Do you love me with great care? Do you love me with great loyalty? Peter answers again, yes, Lord, you know I love you. I love you with phileo love. I can tell you I love you like a friend. 
And Jesus replies again, and he says, take care of my sheep. Are lambs different from sheep? He's saying, I want you to take care of the adults. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to to take care of them. I want you to take care of my sheep. I'm the shepherd. And I'm calling you to take care of my sheep. I'm delegating this task to you. You're equipped. You're able with my help. I've I've been training and equipping you. Even, Even though, Peter, you've blown it sometimes. A third time, he asked him, Simon, do you love me? And uh, he changes the word. Jesus changes the word to come down to Peter's level. He says, do you love me with phileo love? Do you love me like a brother? Do you have affection for me? Do you care for me? Peter, do you love me like a friend? Maybe... You, you can't say that you love me with this unconditional, great, grand love, but you, you can honestly say you love me like a friend. I'm coming down to your level. Peter, can you love me like a friend? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. I think Peter came to a realization that Jesus knew him. He knew his heart. And I think Peter realized, okay, look, I can't trick, I can't bluff this guy. Let me, just ha- let me be transparent and honest, honest with, with Jesus. And I think he's hurt because maybe he realizes that he wants to. Oh, I want to love you with that kind of love. Agapao love. I want to love you like that, Jesus. Oh, I want to. But honestly... I don't. I don't love you on that level. And, and this, these questionings are probably dredging up some things in Peter's life that maybe he wanted to disregard and just go fishing and forget about some of those things. But he says, Lord, you know everything. And you know I love you. You know I don't love you on that level, Lord. I can talk about it. I can play a good game and I can say all this stuff. But in my heart of hearts, even though I don't love you on that level, I want to. But this is what I can honestly say to you, Jesus. Peter knows he can't trick Jesus. Jesus knows Peter's heart. God wants to relate to us and reveal our hearts to us. So that we can grow. Did he do this to beat Peter up? No. He's restoring Peter back into relationship with him. An honest, authentic, transparent relationship. He's saying, Peter, get off the boat. Get out here and do what I've called you to do. Ministry. Just because you messed up. Doesn't mean I can't use you. I think Peter's humbled. And then Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Take care of the the big adult sheep. Take care of them and feed them. And he's not talking about just with oats and grain. He's talking about spiritually here. He's saying spiritually, feed my lambs. Train them up. 
Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Give them good, solid spiritual food. I'm calling you to do this. And I love that Peter's transparent with Jesus. I think Peter's learned some things. So we've looked at the humanity of Peter. Now let's look at the divine, powerful nature of Peter. Once he comes to some understanding here, once he understands that that we sing about it today, God is running after us. God is running after you. Even when we don't think he should be. God, you should be chasing somebody else. I'm done. Look what I've done. And God is saying, just repent, just apologize, and let's restore this relationship. The enemy is the one that wants to bring all that stuff. Oh, remember when you did this? Remember, Peter, when you denied Jesus? Not once, not twice, but three times? And Jesus is saying, it's not over, son. Before Peter denied Christ in Matthew 16, Jesus places a mantle and a calling on Peter. Do you think Jesus didn't know Peter was going to deny him? Do you think Jesus didn't know that Peter wouldn't be listening and paying attention like some of us do, like I do? And this is what he says to Peter in Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you, now I say to you that you, Peter, let me be specific. I'm saying to you, Peter, <laughs> I know in the future and right now you don't listen so much. You don't listen very well. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. What a promise he gives to Peter. What a promise God gives to us. So the Lord desires to reveal his heart and his plans to us. First, we need to understand that, that God is for us, that he, he wants to reveal to us. Secondly, we can demonstrate both our human nature and our godly nature. But the third point is our humanity does not negate God's divine calling on our life. It does not change his purpose for us. 2 Peter 1, 4 continues, These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. We don't have to be trapped in the world's systems. We don't have to be immersed in that stuff. Do you think Satan wanted to discourage Peter to get him to quit? Can you imagine the pressure? Jesus had, I mean, uh, well, Jesus had walked with Peter, had poured into him, and yet he denied Jesus. God divinely uses us even through our humanity. Peter was the leader in the church. He wrote First and Second Peter. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches to, and 3,000 people get saved. 
Chapter 3 in Acts, Peter heals the crippled man. Chapter 4, he teaches in the temple to the religious leaders. Here's a fisherman, and he's giving instruction and teaching the word of God, the heart of God to these Pharisees and religious leaders who know, knew the word of God better than Peter. They knew it backwards and forwards. They had memorized it. And what if Peter would have said, no, I've messed up. But Peter says, I'll receive this restoration and I'll be the one that you've called me to be. To do the things that you've called me to do to impact millions of lives. He's still impacting lives today, 2,000 years later. 